So previously on Above Board, I mentioned the neighbor with the chickens who didn't realize that his rooster was a rooster. What a cock. The rooster, obviously, not the, not the guy. So I was trying to sleep the other night, uh, and the same neighbor, he has kids that are probably teenage boys, maybe preteen boys. At about 11, 11.30, they started to play laser tag outside. So all I could hear was pew, 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 and then screaming, and then running, and then more screaming. And so from bed, I just shouted, shut up. And then the next day, I was outside in my garden, and I hear my neighbor. He's like, hey, Paul, can you come here for a sec? So I walked over. And so I was in my garden. um, And so I was using a gardening knife, right? And so I walked over, and I was holding a gardening knife, which as soon as I realized I was holding a knife talking to my neighbor, I put it down. Um, But he was like, hey, did you yell at my kids? And I was like, oh, this is going to go well. And I was like, yes, I did. They were being quite loud uh, late at night. Uh, And then he apologized, which I thought was kind of cool. And he said that they don't want to be loud neighbors, which they are. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) they are loud neighbors. Um, But I appreciate the fact that they want to do better. So we had a conversation. It didn't end in blows or a knife fight, which I would have surely lost as I'm not I'm not as good at. Um, knife fighting as I am at design. So that's the update. I know people listen to Above Board for the neighbor updates. So there it is. All right, today on show, what do we have, Mr. Jack? We're going to be talking about competition, competitive spirit, gaming, and just general achievements, along with a a little bit of YouTube going viral and what the future plans look like, and the Laracon talk that is happening next week. All right, that's, that's a packed show. Let's get into it. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was the... I guess, feeling the competitiveness you can have in your personality and your psychology. So for a lot of my life, I have enjoyed competitive gaming. And I I know I struggled at team sports because if there was someone on the team that wasn't good or wasn't trying, and I was trying my best, that would always edge me the wrong way. So I've always had that, even as a kid. I think we um, we played badminton for the local town years ago love badminton and if there was someone who i was partnered with who just wasn't up to scratch i didn't have a go at them i'm not a dickhead but i would be annoyed i'm not you're not a cock i'm not not gonna have a go at them you know i'm not that kind of person but i would be annoyed about that because i want to win so when i do things a lot of the time i do want to win i'm very very competitive so bear that in mind it's obviously calmed down i'm not the kind of person where you know you have a casual game of football proper football and I have to win I'm not that kind of person but for some things I just am now one of the things that I am competitive with is video games and this is the stupidest thing in the world and it's actually to do with it being reinforced when I was younger I think so we used to play a game called Halo and a lot of if there are any nerds listening you'll know about Halo we played Halo and it was competitive you know you had ranks and they they put the game together in a way where it was just so you just wanted to win And because of that, I then developed this real competitiveness. And what would happen is if I win, if I won the game, I'd go, oh, cool, I won the game. That's great. But if I lost, I'd be frustrated. 
And you know, I people know I got an Xbox the other week. It's just a kind of fun thing to do. And I found that these things are resurfacing. And I said to myself, do you really want to be competitive in a fucking video game? Or do you want to be competitive in something that's actually productive? A lot of people will play video games for fun. I can't do that. So I installed, you know, Arkham Knight, Batman, all that stuff. It's not fun. I don't enjoy video games. I enjoy How much is an Xbox? I don't even, I know nothing about gaming. Oh man, what Canadian dollars, I don't know, $500, $600. So that was another reason is we're, we're setting up a home gym, right? And it's a case of, do I want to have an Xbox that costs me this much money? Or do I want to invest some of that money in a gym that me and my wife use? It's an obvious choice, right? So yeah, and I just, the competitiveness, I think that does well in business. So I'd rather put my competitiveness into business. And that's that makes really, sense. Yeah. And achievements in the game. So, you know, you've got RPGs and all kinds of games, but what's the actual achievement? So some people will spend hours and hours and hours and if they enjoy it, you know, whatever. But for me, I just look at it and I go, what have I actually achieved? And I never played, I never played World of Warcraft. I'm sure you've heard of World of Warcraft. I never played that. Those are words I've heard put together before. <laughs> yeah. And you've seen the South Park episodes taking the mickey out of it, I'm sure. Maybe you haven't. No. But it, there's no real achievement there. So you spend all this time, you get your character upgraded, and then what have you achieved? So for me, the, tran- the transition of my life was actually when I came up with that. When I was a kid, I played these competitive games and they were a big deal. As an adult, I'm far more interested in being competitive in something that's actually tangible, if that makes sense, yeah. which is, which is the I business. I mean, you're way more mature now. You're like 19 years old. <laughs> 20, actually. <laughs> I think the I think for gaming or for any I mean obviously I can't speak to gaming or anything about it but I think it's it's a matter of I, I, especially if we're just ta- if we're talking about hobbies then I think it's a matter of do after doing the thing for a while do you feel better do you feel worse do you feel more energized do you feel like you were drained right so I think regardless of what it is if it's just a hobby and I think hobbies are great I think hobbies are needed especially in the entrepreneur startup world where we can become so obsessed with the work that we're doing and we can enjoy the work that we do so much that we don't want to take breaks from it and I think that can be detrimental as well where having an idea hey maybe I should play some video games then that's not a bad idea and if that does help and if that does relax your mind or if that does make you feel better or if that does make you feel calmer than when you started, then yeah, that sounds like that, that's a great idea. That's, that's a good thing to do for your own mental health, um, I think. But yeah, if, you, if it's just making you more amped up and more stressed and more um, wanting to be competitive for, for no real reason, then yeah, I don't think that is a good idea. And I'm truly jealous of people that can say, oh yeah, I'll just play games for an hour and I will enjoy every moment of it and not get wound up about it. And I don't get angry at it. It's not that, but if I'm trying to win and we don't win, you know, that, that sucks. <laughs> Which is, I, I hated team sports as well. When oh, I was really? a kid, I hated team sports. I played so- well, I played football, soccer, um, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really like it. Whereas I played a lot of tennis, singles, not doubles. And I love tennis. I played tennis until basically my knees stopped working. I loved running. All the things where it was just myself against everyone. Those are the things that I like. Those are the things that I gravitated to. Um, and t- yeah, team sports, I could never get behind it. And it wasn't that I was like, 
oh, I wish that person played better. It was just boring. It just wasn't, for me personally, it just wasn't that interesting. To try to, try to win as a team wasn't interesting. To win individually was very interesting to me. And read into that how, how you would. And I think with team sports, I don't mind them. If I'm not the best, it sounds arrogant, but it's not arrogant. But if I'm, not, if I'm easily not the best on the team, okay, and I'm, I'm the weak link, I don't get as annoyed because I'm, I know that I'm the shit one. But if I'm, if I know I'm good at something and someone else isn't matching that skill, then I definitely used to get frustrated. And I don't play team sports anymore. I ha- really haven't. I couldn't tell you what I'm like nowadays. The last time I played was rugby in the UK. I would have been early twenties, maybe, and I wasn't as competitive. You know. So yeah, I don't know. So, so you played it three years into the future. <laughs> Very good. So the takeaway here is for me, I'd rather put my competitive spirit into business, something that can actually change my real life. Very interesting what you said about hobbies and how they impact you and you should look at that. I think that's very true. So for yeah. me, I'm starting uh, working out again. I used to love working out. I used to be in pretty good shape and I sort of I haven't really worked out and I'm now prioritizing that. So that's going to be one of my new things. Much better than video games. Yeah, I mean, I go for a, an hour or two bike ride uh, most mornings because that energizes me. It makes me feel, I typically feel better after I feel better after than when I started. So for me, that's a good way to clear my head, to relax, to get rid of anxiety, all of that. And it's not, yeah, I guess I'm 0% competitive with biking because I don't, I'm not one of those spandex clad um, racing bike people. I just like to cruise on my e-bike. It's exercise uh, too though as well, right? And it's it, enjoying it the Barely, scenery. but it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, for me, it is getting out in nature and just kind of, cruising around and yeah and and that to me is, is a great hobby that to me is the perfect hobby i feel good um after i mean as long as i don't get yelled at i've been yelled at a bunch of times on bike rides um last well, yeah, you're week, a cyclist that's what happens man people don't like yeah. cyclists that's just yeah how people is. that have dogs that don't put their dogs on leashes get really mad at cyclists for riding past them on paths that cyclists are allowed to use I would just want, and my solution to that was earplugs. I hate listening to music when I'm biking because I feel like that defeats the point of being out in nature and being calm and listening to things and obviously paying attention. But I've just started to wear earplugs. No, and not even just like the foam earplugs, not like headphones or anything like that. And that to me is a perfect solution. If somebody's yelling at me, I don't know. I'm already <laughs> past them and I can't hear them. Okay. So I, my, when I first got my car, I used to hate cyclists. I drive around, absolutely hate cyclists. And then I moved to Canada, no cyclists to be, or Manitoba in, in particular, no cyclists. Right. And then I was in London. I decided to drive to London because I'm an idiot. And when I finished the day and left, there were so many cyclists that all this anger resurfaced from when I was younger about how much I hate them. And they were just here, there, everywhere, cutting in front of me. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm not glad you get shouted at, but I understand. I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I have more empathy when I come up to a cyclist when I'm in my car and they're on their bike now that I bike on roads. And there are <laughs> there are literally no paths here. Um on the roads or sidewalks or bike lanes or anything like that there's road and then forest so i Mm -hmm. I have to bike on the road and sometimes people rip past me and i feel like they're just about clipping my side mirror 
or my oh, handlebars. Yeah, and cool. sometimes they, they give what the, the legal limit, which is you're supposed to pass and, and give six feet distance between the car and the bike. But yeah, I have more empathy when I'm driving my vehicle and I need to get somewhere and there's a cyclist uh, on the road. I just kind of wait because I'm, I'm yeah. in the other position as, as often uh, as not as well. If you're a single cyclist, I don't see the problem. It's when they cycle next to each other on the road and block you from passing. That drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean... In the UK, yeah. that's not allowed. They actually have to... If there's a car behind them, they have to get in single line. So. Yeah, there might be a law about that here, but I, I never ride in a group. I okay. just like to do things by myself, so... So if you hate cyclists or love cyclists, let us know on Twitter, at Jack Ellis and at PJRVS. Just at Jack Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> hey so let's talk about youtube what have we done about youtube what's happened oh my goodness i've made two youtube videos i'm now a, i'm now a youtuber <laughs> i, I feel are. i feel like yeah so the first video and it's weird right because we'll talk about the videos and we'll talk about what we did because obviously we still value privacy and youtube doesn't because they're a google property and kind of what what we're doing there but the videos themselves i think are really important, especially the first one. The first video that we released was uh, a walkthrough of how to use the dashboard. And the dashboard is simple. The dashboard is a, basically a one-page application, but there is still there's a lot going on on it. And I feel like we have not a ton of support, but we have had some support where it's like, okay, I don't know how to use the dashboard. Can you teach me? And if we had to reply, if we had to write these emails, that would take maybe an hour or so to write a, a whole email. I know because I just wrote an article and it took me about an hour to walk through all of the uh, features on the dashboard in writing, which you have to copy edit, and then it will be posted on the website <laughs> in the support section. Yep. But the video, I think it's a perfect use of video where I've got my little picture on the side of the screen and the Fathom Analytics interface uh, on the main part of the screen. And I just move my mouse around and I talk about this is what this does, this is what this does, this is what this does. That is going to be immensely helpful for support and for keeping people out of our support queue. If they have a question that we have already answered in a video or in a Con or, or in content, then they can self-serve. They can get the answer immediately. They don't have to email support or support queue doesn't back up. And then every, it, basically everybody wins. The other video was just like, I clickbaity, I think top five reasons to use Fathom. And I just <laughs> yeah, kind of went through, it does have some comedy in it. Well, it has my attempt at comedy in it. Is that the one uh, that you say, hey, nerds? Is that how it starts I think off? so. I think it might say, hey, nerds. I may say, hey, friends. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I, I think that videos are just a great way to reach and interact with an audience, both for teaching and for just talking to an audience and giving kind of information, kind of content, I guess. But, and so the reason we did a whole episode on this, where I think YouTube is obviously the biggest platform, their algorithm helps promote videos. I think 30% of our, the watches on our YouTube channel already has come from YouTube search, yeah. right? So it isn't just us sending people there. But at the same time, we don't like the fact that YouTube slash Google does a whole bunch of invasive tracking. And so we created something as kind of an interim step um, so that people have to consent to leaving wherever they're leaving, our website, our Twitter, whatever it is, to Google, and we kind of block all of the stats. Do you want to talk about uh, what we did there and how we did it? 
Yeah, so what we've got is we've got a web page or a site, if you like, youtube.usefathom.com. So when Paul has a video, he just copies the YouTube ID into the, the path, right, of that domain. And what happens in the background is we proxy through to YouTube. We grab the YouTube video information and we grab the image. We actually use their API. So we grab the image and then we... I don't know how to say this, it isn't nerdy, but we base 64 encode it and then embed it on the page. So instead of hot linking to YouTube and passing you, the traffic to YouTube, we actually render it on the page all through our server, keeping no access logs. So you don't have to hit YouTube because some people would embed the video uh, image from YouTube and it just defeats the objective. So yeah. what we've added here is we've added an, a consent for YouTube. So we link you through to our YouTube video, but instead of you landing on the video and then YouTube know that you're interested in this, we stop that. You have to consent to do it. Now I do, we're talking about this. This is really great. People like it and it's been a huge success. And then we use Fathom to track how many people click onto it, which is really cool. The only downside we've got at the moment that I see is we do need a way to actually allow people to say, I don't want to go on YouTube. How else can I watch this? You know, because not everyone mm. will do that. And a lot of people will say, okay, thank you for giving me consent. I'll watch this in, they'll, they'll come up with their own way, right? And some people just don't care. Like, I watch YouTube, I, but still, you should have to consent, right? That's the big problem here is Google Analytics, for example. Yes. You, ha- you need to consent. That's the big thing. So some people need a way to watch it without going to YouTube. That's the one weakness we have, right? Because at the moment, you're, we're basically saying, oh, if you don't go into YouTube, you can't watch the video. Yeah, and I, I understand that. And it's just like when people send me a Facebook or a LinkedIn URL and... I'm 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 met with the login screen. It's like, okay, great, but I don't have a Facebook account. I don't have a LinkedIn account. So now what? And so I understand that, but I also we want as much traffic as possible on YouTube and as many views as possible on YouTube. So YouTube then rewards us and shows the video to more people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's important. So I, yeah. So I do agree that we do need a way, but maybe and maybe we add that link. Um, on that consent page, just really small or something, um, or to, even to just watch that, it on Vimeo or something. But exactly. Vimeo does track as well, right? Not as bad. Well, and no, not we, as sell, we self host the video. We self host the video on S3, on, uh, on AWS S3 zero access logs. Because what Paul's saying to extend on that, the main the main purpose of this is to reach people who are already on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. That's the primary purpose. The actual linking to it was a secondary afterthought. Um, but we realize at the same time that getting people who don't mind and want to consent onto the video will be beneficial for the video. However, the thing, the discussion we've been having is how do we give people a way to watch it without going onto YouTube? And as you just said, Paul, uh, Vimeo probably tracks. So that's yeah. something to think about as well. I'm going to write that yeah, down. If we self-host, if we self-host and, and offer a way, I think that might be smart i just want to promote you most people watch youtube like i obviously care about privacy i still spend my i still spend a lot way too much time every evening watching youtube videos because that's it's a pandemic and that's the um that's the way that i entertain myself when it gets too dark to bike or be in my garden or get yelled at by neighbors (laughs) (laughs) threaten neighbors with a knife you mean yes it's uh it's a small amount of people that won't go into youtube it's just trying to cater for sure. to them, I suppose. But yeah. And I mean, we are a privacy-focused company, so offering the privacy option makes sense to me. Some people have sworn off YouTube completely. It's crazy. I couldn't... I mean, unfortunately, there's nothing else that even comes close to that level of... You know, it's like, it's like going into your robot's text file and 
disallowing Googlebot, right? And saying, no, you can't index yeah. my site. Who's going to do that? Yeah, we, and we this hate is Google, the, but it's just... I, but that's the thing, right? Like, I don't necessarily hate Google. I hate what they do in a lot of instances, right? Sure, sure, like, sure. Google um, targeted ads, obviously, I think, are evil in the scourge of the internet. Google Search Console is literally the only way that you can get information about searches in google which is still the most popular search engine until DuckDuckGo takes over yeah which i hope which i hope happens (laughs) um so having things like google search console is great and that is actually a great product it may be maybe my favorite google product um i'll go on record saying um so it's not that every single thing that google does is wrong simply because it's google i think we possess the ability to have critical thought for a reason so we can consider what works and what doesn't. And if it doesn't work, are there ways around it not working that we can make it work just like the way that we're doing it with YouTube? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, I, it's like, I'm not going to use fucking Gmail, but if I need to, I'm going to use Google search in a private window with my VPN on like all of the blocking things. Um, or if I want to watch a video, I'm going to go to YouTube. Um, but if there's things that I can do to not use YouTube and there are better options, then yeah, I'm going to use those. No, for sure. This feels partly deja vu as well about the whole the th- hating the things that they do versus hating the company. Yeah. It's hard though because reputation, you know, it takes time to build up and they've done so many damaging things as a company and it's mm-hmm. just challenging to see them as not evil. Well, they don't see themselves as not evil, right? Yeah, I mean, they took it out so- of their mission statement. So there you go. Hey, so let's talk about, was it Tuesday? Honestly, I'm losing track of the days this week. It's been a crazy week. Was it Tuesday? It was Blur's Day. Every day is Blur's Day. (laughs) I think you're right. Tuesday we had- It was Tuesday. And we're recording this on Thursday. Yes. Okay. Tuesday we had a crazy, crazy viral customer. We have viral customers all the time. We expect that. We're built for that. This was a different level of viral that we haven't seen before, which is great. I, I can't talk about what it is, but I looked at the website and I said, <laughs> this makes sense that this is going viral without saying too much. But yeah, it went viral for good reason. And uh, we had a, I woke up to a huge backlog, one, like, I think over 1.5 million or something in the backlog. And now to ground that or for a comparison point, we never have a backlog. So we have our queue and our queue scales infinitely, but our queue always sits at around zero because our system's very efficient, processes it, doesn't like to keep anything in the queue. So seeing one million jobs in the queue, I was blown away. And I think it's important to note there for, especially for non-nerds like myself, that the reason we have a queue and the way that we've set it up is that and any of the analytics that we collect for any of our customer sites are never going to be lost if there's an issue. They just get delayed. And that's really important to note because the way we built Fathom is intentionally to delay it instead of lose it completely. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So our queue will scale infinitely. So even if someone had 10 hundred, you know, some stupid amount of 10 hundred million, 10 hundred billion. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It would still just accumulate in the queue and we wouldn't lose that traffic. And that's very important to us. So it just sat in the queue, 1 million, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it was, it was increasing. And I straight away just, I, I increased the amount of concurrent processes, you know, I'm not going to get too nerdy here. And it went and it, it started 
coming down and then suddenly our database cpu is at like we have a fixed size database which is changing soon but we'll talk about that shortly um, the database cpu was at 97 percent or something stupid so they had to then scale it back down and we were fighting and fighting this throughout the whole day and at the end of the day because we were getting close because at, at midnight utc what happens is our hashes get reset right and when the hashes get reset that means that the uniques change. So we were looking at the clock thinking, okay, we've only got till midnight UTC to actually fix this. And we had a contingency plan. Like, I'm not going to make this too dramatic. We had a contingency plan and we would have been able to work around it. But it was still a race against the clock because I didn't want to code anything because I was already getting tired. <laughs> so we go through, we increased, what did we do? I can't even remember the full thing. It was honestly a blur yeah. and I wrote about it yesterday. And if you check out our blog, you can see you can see about the viral customer. And if you really want to get into the nerdy technical details, I mean, even for business people, I think it's an interesting read. I mean, you read it. What did you think? Yeah, no, I, I understood the gist of it, obviously. And I think the the gist of it as well, and what you and I talked about all day about this, because um, we were both online, even though I couldn't do anything, I was I was still there as a yeah, as a sounding yeah, we board. Talking. Yeah, yeah, and so I think the the main thing was that um, to to some degree we spent our way out of the problem. We increased <laughs> resources. Because we didn't want to have, so one, we didn't want our other customers impacted by one customer having millions and millions of page views in yeah. a few hours. And on the other side, we didn't want that customer to be delayed any more than they had to be um, with data showing up. And so we spent our way out of it. And the reason we spent our way out of it is because we're not a budget solution. Like we have great margins and we offer uh, a good service at a good price but we still have room to if things go nuts like they totally did on blurs day tuesday we could still we still have the option to increase resources to be able to deal with uh just gobs and gobs of traffic this comes back to what we said about the cheap prices on things. Someone charges you $5 for a service. It's one of the first things you should think of is there's no contingency in there. Things do not go smooth all the time. You need contingency. So mm -hmm. yeah, the, the joke about the budget thing, 100% true. We're not a budget provider. We make sure that we have contingency. Very important. So one of the, the actual problem was we ran into something called like an IOPS limit. And for the nerds in the back, that's yeah, IOPS. You know what IOPS are. But for non-nerds, it's basically the input outputs per second that you can write to the database. And we were having such extent, an extensive amount of traffic that the queue was actually limited as to how much it could write to the database. You know, tens of millions or however many millions of views it was. Definitely tens of millions, but I don't know. I think I worked out it was the equivalent of, from a single customer, an extra one to two billion page views a month or something which is i mean we process high volume but to have that from have that extra from just one customer because one of the things we market on is that we can scale to doing billions of views now technically i mean now things have changed we can but what that means is that our, our infrastructure won't fall over right that's the main thing we yeah. will have if someone had you know 100 trillion stupid but let's say someone had two billion views in a day our infrastructure won't fall over but there will be a backlog obviously because we have to aggregate what's that like 20 percent of the planet on the same, on the same <laughs> website yeah hey but having said that we're changing things for version three we are going to be moving to a fully serverless database dynamo db and um, that's going to be very exciting 
Really excited about that. It's key-based, NoSQL storage. And we're moving to a much faster stats platform. We're moving to Elasticsearch. And that's going to be a managed service. And we're going to be spending a bit of cash on that, getting it set up correctly with... Um, the chap's, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the chap's name's Peter, and he's worked with government organizations. Steenbergen? Stenberg, is Sten, is is? Stenbergen? Steenbergen? Yeah. And he's, Sorry, okay, Peter. So, yeah, so Peter's putting together an Elasticsearch course, but he's also helping us with the move. And now Peter's worked with big government organizations and dealing with, um, what is it, petabytes of data, which I think is... Was it a million gigabytes or something like that? Like huge data. that We won't be doing that kind of data in years, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're working with him and he's going to help us set up something really cool. So thank you, Peter. And we're going to be much more serverless than we were before with DynamoDB. And Elasticsearch can scale really easily. So that's really exciting. That's coming in, probably coming before version three, I think. Yeah, based mm. on what's happened. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And I think that the main thing here too, right, is that, yes, it was a lot of, it was all hands on deck for a, a day, a day and a half, right? But the end result is that our product is stronger, faster, more resilient oh, yeah. now. Like yeah, we yeah. had to go through that, obviously. And things, software, I think people not in software don't realize how the internet is basically held together with duct tape and twine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, that's just a way that it works with things that are kind of decentralized, not even completely decentralized because Cloudflare, we've already covered that. Um, but I think that even, I think that's a good thing to realize when you're going through something that could be stressful or could be um, like, this is so much or the weight of this is a lot is that, okay, yes, it could be. And, and you obviously have to deal with things in the moment. But the moment after that moment is that you just made things better. Like you realized through through the day, oh, I could make this um function a lot faster or i could make this thing um take less time or take less cpu or take less database writes so through the day we were finding thing or you were finding things that made fathom better and i think sometimes it takes things like that to be like oh wow okay it was running if it's running a hundred percent smoothly in the best case scenario then it's hard to see those things as soon as one thing changes and it's like okay now i can see these things more clearly and i can work to make it better we stress tested things before. This is funny. We stress test things, mm-hmm. but you can only stress test to a certain limit. This was something we, we couldn't really, we couldn't <laughs> pay to stress test uh, that I'm aware. So this was a much welcome stress test. And that's a good point, Paul. We hadn't tested to this level and then we got it in and nothing. we didn't lose any data, which is fantastic. And yeah. we just adapted and we have got a better product for it. And that's a very, very true point. And we've got a viral article from it. We, we, wrote exactly. an article. We, have a vi- we have a viral <laughs> article about a viral website. So that's had, I think, over 50,000 people have seen my tweet now. And that was a tweet about going viral. Yeah, going viral. And people are loving it. People are resonating with it. We're very transparent with these kind of things. And we will talk about it. And Paul's put together a status page off of this. It's been really good for Fathom, actually, which is funny. Is, you know what I just realized? And I'll change that after we do this call. Is there... Is oh no, there is okay. I was gonna say, I was like, did I add our tracking script to the status page? And it's in there. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that would have yes. been so bad. That would have been funny. 
So we've now oh. got a status page for people to follow along if we ever have any backlogs. And the, th- the reason we don't didn't have a status page is that we didn't have downtime, right? That's not something no. that we... And technically used. we didn't have downtime. No, no, exactly. It was just delay time, which I, I understand. Like as a customer, I understand. And I felt bad for people who signed up because we get a, a lot of trials every day and a lot of people convert every single day. And if your first experience with Fathom was on Tuesday, you would have seen a message saying like data is delayed. And that's, <laughs> I yeah. hate like that makes me yes. feel so bad as yep. a business owner. Like your first experience with Fathom is that there is, that it's not running perfectly. That was definitely on my mind. The first impression. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. That's definitely. And people, everybody was understand. Like everybody that emailed us was completely understandable. So that that was really good, and I, I appreciate the customers that we have. But yeah, still as a business owner, it's like oh, I want you to see us at our best. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, I definitely agree with that. Mm. So so yeah, we had that happen. That was really fun, and we adapted it, and we've improved the business for it. Uh, it improved the script, all that jazz. It kind of feels a bit. And I, I, the word I'll use, I guess, is pointless because we improved everything, but. Me and you have had a plan for months now to move to DynamoDB and go serverless. Yeah. So we fixed this all up and we can handle all this extra scale. That's great. But I'm sort of like, eh, yeah, because we're going to be moving away from that pretty damn soon. <laughs> so it feels yeah. completely, it just feels like a bit of a, not a band-aid, but it doesn't really matter that we've actually done this adaption because, hey, we're going serverless soon anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how Elasticsearch will improve things, the dashboard is going to be much faster. So when you do the all-time view, that can be slower because we're, you know, it's not, it's doing sums and groups. Elasticsearch is going to make that so, so fast. So I'm ridiculously excited to get that into the hands of people. It's going to just make people's lives so much better. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, a, that's a fun task. Even now, it's a fun task to look at um, all-time data for us and all-time data on um, competitors' websites. And we're st- I think the last time I tested it, we were something like 1,400% faster than one of our competitors. And it's going to be even faster than that. So I can't wait to post screenshots. Don't forget that our competitors have a lot less data than us. They haven't been around yes. as long. So. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But uh, yes, enough about the competitors. The competitors are sort of drowning out a little bit which is fun to see yeah mr competitive um (laughs) so so you're a thought leader now um let's talk about let's talk about your ted talk your nerd ted talk (laughs) so i'm speaking at laricon next week and there are going to be a lot of people watching so i'm very excited about that laricon are tickets still available oh yeah tickets are still available yeah 20 wow that's cheap okay so $29 $29 for it. This is the cool thing about online conferences. If you were going to the in-person one, obviously it's more expensive. This Laracon, so you go to laracon.net, it's literally $29 a ticket, which is a bargain. And the people that are speaking, you've got uh, Taylor Otwell is obviously going to be speaking, the creator of Laravel, Adam Wathen, the creator of Tailwind CSS, Refactoring UI, really nice guy, very smart person. Jeffrey Way, founder of Laracasts. April Dunford, who's the CEO of Ambient Strategy, um, Caleb Porzio created Livewire. We've got Jess Archer, Matt Storf- Storfer, who's a partner at Titan. That's a Laravel agency. Uh, Jonathan Renink, which who's the creator of Inertia JS. You've got Freak Vanderhurten, who is the I think he's the like the CEO of Sparty, which is a Laravel development shop. You got Tim McDonald, Marcel Marcel Pocciot, who Marcel's fun. So Marcel, when he speaks, ha- he's German, right? But he has a slight American accent. And I, uh, <laughs> I was talking to his business partner and I laughed. And I, just, I don't know how that happens, but he doesn't sound German. So I thought that was fascinating. 
he's a very smart guy as well. Uh, Jack Ellis, who's the leading talker from my... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Colin DiCarlo, Prosper Otomoya. Oh, that is a cool surname. I cannot pronounce that. Otomoya. No, let's not get into this. Jenny Shen, and uh, she's a cross cultural UX, cross cultural UX interesting. A cross cultural UX design strategist. What do you think that is? Um, probably design, uh, thinking about designing interfaces for different languages and different people around the world. That's my that's my guess. I don't actually know anything about cross cultural UX. It sounds really interesting. I've never heard of that. That yeah. sounds like the only talk that I would want because I'm not a nerd. So all the nerd talks, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. That talk I would probably want to watch. So yeah, Laracon's a really cool conference. So I mean, Laracon it pays the speakers. I mean, you talk about a lot of people talk about diversity at conferences, right? Because it's just it's not just a bunch of white white male nerds. Laracon's mm-hmm. like it's got a really diverse lineup, different backgrounds, different countries. Yeah, they run it really well, man. So I'm really excited to be speaking at that conference. And me and Paul will be working hard on it. And it's going to be different uh, from a typical talk. And I won't talk about... That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) Be there or be square. It's $29 if you... Yeah, come come watch it. Even if you come... If you do anything in Laravel, you're probably attending Laracon anyways. I would assume. So I will see you there. All right, my friend. I think... I think that about cover, what are, did we miss anything? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, things are going good. Things are happy days, and yeah, nothing to add. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hoodie up for the week um, and get to work. I think we should listen to some of our amazing outro music. <laughs> <laughs>